Welcome to the Married People Podcast, where we help you make marriage real, fun, and simple. Each week, we have honest conversations about one simple thing that can make your marriage better. Because when your marriage is better, everything's better. My name is Ted Lowe, one of the hosts of the Married People Podcast. I've been working with married couples since 2001, and I've been married since 1995. And I believe having a great marriage may be a lot easier than we have been led to believe. And we're doing things a little bit differently for this episode. I'm sad to say that my co-hosts, CJ and Afton, aren't here today because they're off on assignment, but they will be back really soon. Uh, Hey, today on the Married People Podcast, we're going to take a look at the question, how do I have a great marriage when my parents didn't? Now, this is true for a lot of us, um, but it's a great question for all of us. And to help us wrestle with this question, I interviewed my good friends and founders of Marriage 365, Megan and Casey Caston. You know, the thing I love the most about Megan and Casey is that from almost the moment they started getting hope in their marriage, they wanted to share that hope with other couples. And that's the heart behind what they do uh, at Marriage 365. I think it's why they're so transparent and hopeful and really, really practical. Uh, right now, here's my interview with Megan and Casey Caston. Hey, you guys, I am so excited today to be with Megan and Casey Caston, and they are the founders and CEOs, is that what we call you guys, of Marriage 365? Sure. Yeah. Does that sound good? CEOs? It feels good to be a CEO, King, right? King and queen. King, king and queen. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Well, I, Casey, you and I met, what, five, five or six years ago? At least. Yeah. And so- yep. Chicken just, and waffles. In Atlanta, that was good chicken and it waffles, was. right? Megan was home taking care of children while Gladys, we were eating Gladys downtown Knight. Atlanta. Or we were hoping exactly. Gladys Knight was going to make an appearance. Oh, well, and it just, it didn't happen for us, did it? No, but it wasn't, it was a good time. And just, I think just realized really early on, like, this is a kindred spirit of how we want to do this and how we want to leverage marriage, uh, not just for Christians, but also leverage marriage to draw people to the church because Christian yep. marriages should look better than any marriages on the mm-hmm. planet, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to represent Christ in the church. And so I know we had similar hearts there, and it's been so fun to watch you guys start Marriage 365 and then go full-time and just watching it explode. You were on Extra. That was extra, pretty... Extra, extra. That was impressive to me. I was like, yes. Let me tell you, it is so nerve-wracking to be yeah. in Hollywood because what you can't see on screen is about 60 people, staffers, teleprompters, lighting. Yeah. And we were not just, it, we, we didn't look nervous, but we were shaking in our boots. Were you yeah. really? Oh you, yeah. Oh my gosh. Cause I just thought, Oh, they're in their zone right now. They're with their people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you, there's a lot of pressure and you have a very limited time. It's not like you can sit all day and take retakes and things. I mean, it's just time is money there and yeah. it's Hollywood. So it's just one story after another. And so we had about 20 minutes and they just went through about 40 questions with us. And you just have to answer on the spot. Boom, right there. Boom, go, go. So tell us a little bit before we dive in, because we're going to get to hear your story, which I'm so excited that our listeners get to hear that. Um, Tell us a little bit about Mirrors 365. What are you guys finding out? What do you love? What are you you doing? Yeah, um, so it's more of a story. It's a story where, uh, you know, Megan and I, when we first met, dating was so easy. And we said, let's do this forever. (laughs) And so it literally, we planned our dream wedding. And on our wedding night, everything came crashing in on us. And it was really all of the the past baggage that we brought into the relationship. And now as I look 14 years into marriage, um, really every single obstacle 
in achieving some sort of happily ever after, we've had to face head on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts with, I mean, basically between Megan and I, there are 12 marriages between both sets of our parents. Wow. So, 12 marriages. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in complete disconnection. I mean, anytime, you know, I saw my mom fight with her then husband, uh, there was going to be a divorce. So I never saw anything modeled in a healthy manner. And so we kind of thought we'd escape all that. <laughs> and sure enough, um, just starting our marriage. There? What makes, because so many people say that, like, I'm, I'm not going to live like that. And you go, uh, we're we're going to stop all that. We're yeah. not going to have all that. What do you think makes people feel that way? So I, I think sometimes the painful memories make us uncomfortable. And so we want to avoid and we don't want to feel that. Mm. So we kind of move away from that. But what we've discovered uh, in working with so many couples is when you can confront that pain, it, I would, we would say you cannot heal from the things you do not feel. Mm. And so coming full circle to realize like, hey, that wasn't right. That wasn't okay. It wasn't until we addressed that, that we could walk through a process of forgiveness and start to heal those wounds. Yeah. And I think with your question of, you know, Marriage 365, we started a nonprofit because we really wanted to make sure that there was very practical. We're we're like the practical couple Mm. Um, because for years people told us what to do. You need to forgive. You need to apologize. You guys just you just need to communicate. You need to talk about your money. Okay, sounds great. But how do you do that? Mm. We were never modeled with 12 different marriages by our parents. What? healthy conversations even looked like. Mm -hmm. What does a healthy date, what does that entail? Mm. Um, Budgets, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) And so we we really wanted to create a resource for couples around the world that was affordable, um, just that we would be creative for you Mm. so that someone could just basically hand you a cheat sheet and say, here you go. This is kind of how you you love your spouse. You Mm. love each other. And um, that's really kind of behind Marriage 365, we just really want to be that practical, simple um, resource for couples. But it's also the fact that we've encountered all these things that we talk about. So, I mean, you know, when we buried ourselves in $200,000 in debt, remember we financed a $80 vacuum because the guy said, you want to finance that? (laughs) Sure. Sounds great. Why not? So we, I mean, you know, uh, we struggled with infertility. Um, I live, I'm an adult living with ADHD. So that adds a whole nother Oh, yeah. You know, I always say I was ADHD way before it was cool. So yeah. I get you. Casey, maybe that's why we, that, maybe that's why we connected. We do. There. We, do. we can talk about so many things. Um, and I want to continue to talk about Marriage yep. 365. In fact, we're going to point couples um, there after, at the end of the podcast. But your story is such a powerful one. Mm. I mean, would you guys you know, share, that with our, share that with our listeners? Well, I would say that well, we met in college. Woohoo. Um, the day I moved out of my parents' house. So that was, that was exciting. Um, dating was great and easy and fun. And we definitely had this instant connection. We're both extroverts. We both love God and love people and love the beach. And so we just had a lot of um, things in common. Engagement was exciting. And then... How long did you guys date before you got engaged? So we were friends, actually, for four months. And then we dated for 10 months. And then we were engaged for... What, eight months? Was it about eight months? It was was fast. Well, it was two years total time. Um, And so, you know, then, yeah, then we said, I do. And literally all of our problems started on our wedding night. (laughs) 
And we were embarrassed about that for a long time. Mm. We allowed shame to really not tell anybody that we were hurting. Mm. And we kind of looked at each other like, what did we get ourselves into? Yeah, well, and being raised in the church, I mean, nobody really kind of sits you down and says, hey, the wedding night, let's talk about that. Let's go through that. Let's let's talk about expectations. So when, um, you know, things happened pretty quickly, and then I wanted around two, about 2 a.m., I woke up Megan, and she rolled over, and she said that she'd give me none of that, and so I slept on the couch. Because what's the rule about me, babe? Never wake up Megan in the middle of the night. <laughs> true. I mean, he it, learned. He learned really quickly. I got yeah. Yeah, our it, kids even know. Like Don't never wake us. Never wake a sweet sleeping baby or there Megan. You go. Yeah, that I'm was right the start of our marriage. Was broken sexpectations, so to speak. Expectations. I yeah. like that. You know. So, and that I mean that was the f- start of many many other expectations that were so unrealistic. Hmm of what we should be doing as a godly couple. Like, wow, we're not doing morning devotions. We must be really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So we and, just started well, the shame, shame toxic spiral. And mm-hmm. I would say that instead of having healthy communication, like we know that we should be talking about it, oh gosh, I mean, we never dealt with our issues or problems. Mm-hmm. We just either blamed one another and pointed fingers mm-hmm. um, or we just avoided the issues and didn't talk about them. Yeah. So wow. resentment, of course, over years and years built up and got bad, really bad. So you guys are coming in this thing, you know, all these different marriages that are impacting your relationship. We don't know what we're doing. We have different expectations of each other. And then there's these Christian expectations of what a Christian couple is supposed to be doing, right? So it's your own expectations of each other, of yourselves, and then the Christian body, right? There's right. no pressure yeah. there, right? We call it the, the um, checkmark list Christian. So mm. it was like church on Sundays, check, um, serve in the children's ministries, check, mm. do morning devotionals, check, read your Bible, check, go to worship, check, tithe, check, all these different things. Mm. Yet our hearts were ugly inside. Yeah. So we, on the outside, nobody knew what was going on. We looked mm. really happy. Uh, we look like, wow, these guys are, man, I mean, they got married young and they love each other, but inside we were so lonely. Mm, we so certainly, we certainly knew how to put on the show, you know, show up on Sunday. Hey, how's it going? You know? Oh yeah. Mm. We're excited. We're having a, having a great honeymoon, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. But we were lonely. We were hurting. Were- and man. And then when the, <laughs> when our uh, door, front door would close, I mean, we were not the fighters that were polite to one another. No. There was cussing. I mean, it got ugly, really bad. So, yeah, because everybody's got a different script when they're fighting, right? So, oh, for, yeah. you know, sometimes we have silent but deadly, and then one loud person or two louds, two silent but deadly. But you guys were both high octane. Oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. We're both yeah. very stubborn. Both very stubborn. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're both so stubborn. And not to mention that we live in a county with a 72% divorce rate. Wow. So, South Orange County. Yeah. I mean, Orange County, right? Yeah. So divorce is just normal. Like, it's just, it's you're surrounded it by it. It is totally normalized. It is. Yeah. 70%. Yeah. That's, oh, that's incredible. Even, and this is all, I mean, even in churches. This is, mm. the, the stat doesn't, you know. This is just our county alone. So, so compound the fact that we didn't talk about our issues, um, dealing with debt, dealing with infertility, living with ADHD, um, being stubborn, being stubborn, <laughs> uh, unforgiveness. I mean, it was it was a total tsunami for us in our marriage. And by year three, we were facing the the probability of divorce. And you know what? Nobody, nobody would have blamed us because that's all we ever knew mm. was that when things got tough in relationships, you just leave. Right. 
you know, I just saw that modeled. Um, mm. My mom's actually on her sixth marriage. So uh, all I have, she really believes in marriage, trust me. <laughs> but, you know, all I have ever seen is, is just to run to somebody else mm. and do a fresh start. That you didn't pick the right person. It's just about being the right person. You know, you just got to mm. find that one soulmate. And so that's really, yeah, we went into marriage thinking, well, we're perfect for each other. And then when all of the yuckiness came out, we realized, oh, we just picked it wrong. We picked the wrong person. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and we say this a lot in married people, it's, you know, that people say, well, they just bring out the worst in me. And we say they don't, rev- you know, they don't bring out the worst in you. They reveal the brokenness in you. Absolutely. I love that. I have a huge smile on my face mm. because that is so true. Yeah. So, and, Marriage is supposed to make us better supposed to show us the areas that we really struggle with Mm. and need to work on. Wow. I just want to pause you guys for just a second because I think there's probably a lot of people listening right now and they're going, that's, that's our story. You know, that's a version of our story. We brought this in. It was really, really hard. We're thinking, you know, we have an exit strategy called divorce that no, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're not, it's not going to be bad if we do that. I mean, rough, but you know, we're not going to be judged forever. What made you guys hang in there? Can I go, babe, on this? Yeah. Okay. So um, I hated who I had become. Hmm. I was this friendly, kind, compassionate, caring individual before I got married. And I was this bitter, angry, resentful, very unforgiving woman. Hmm. And so I basically threw my hands up in the air and I said, you know what? There are certain things I'm not going to allow anymore in our marriage. And I can't wait around for Casey to change. And so I'm going to get myself help. And that's actually what I did. I left the church that we were at. It was, it was, it was pretty unhealthy. And, um, funny enough, I started going to a church and that we're sitting at, which is, which has been a very healing place for um, our marriage. But, um, I started seeing a therapist. I started reaching out to women who'd been married 20, 30, 40 years and saying, pour into me. I need your help. Mm. I started reading books on marriage and I learned that I can't rely on Casey to make me happy Mm. because he's going to make mistakes. He's a sinner, you know, and I can't Mm. wait because then what if he never changes, Mm. but I am responsible for my own happiness. I am responsible for my own relationship with God and other people. And so I would say around about nine months later, um, you know, Casey would say something that normally would, Ooh, like, the beast would come out of me <laughs> and I would respond with patience and love and kindness. And it, you could tell he kind of made this face like, well, I lost my sparring partner. Yeah. Like where'd mm. the old Megan go? I lost and my sparring partner. Yeah. And we just, I just didn't allow us to fight like that anymore. I didn't mm. partake in it. And I really saw a lot of change in myself. And what I always tell women it's because oftentimes women are the ones that buy the books. And mm. I mean, truly, the, you know, the women, sure. and especially in the marriage biz, right? Um, 80% of women are the ones that are purchasing the books and, and signing their husbands up for the marriage retreats and things like that. Um, is that, you know, though you can't change your husband, you can have a very positive influence over him mm. by changing yourself. Wow. So you went first. I went first. You, yeah. went, you went first. And trust me, that stubbornness, mm. it was really hard. Because if mm. you're stubborn like me and you're listening, you don't want to go first. You mm. want your husband to go first. Sure. But 
I think every person gets to a point where they kind of hate certain things about themselves. I don't know. I mm. think that's also innate in me. That's my natural personality. When there's things that I don't like about myself, I don't just let it stew and I don't just go on autopilot. I go, ooh, I don't like this. I get curious with God. Okay, I need to change this. Why am I behaving this way? Mm. Why am I thinking this way about my husband who three years ago was my best friend in the whole world? Mm. So yeah, I've so, worked on myself. Mm. So you're three years in and you're going, okay, somebody's got to go first. I'm going to go first. Yeah. You know, because I think a lot of people listen, and I probably was one of these type of people that you think, but I'm right. But, oh. but, but I'm right. Like, yeah. I, I shouldn't yeah. have to go first because I'm the one that's right. Yep. And it really doesn't matter who's right if we're both losing. And so, you know, what is it, a Dr. Philism where he says someone's got to be the relationship hero? Yeah. yeah. Like, someone's got to go first. And one of the things we say a lot, too, it, it always takes two to keep a negative cycle going, but sometimes yeah. one can stop it. Yep. Exactly. And Absolutely. We, in fact, we speak always to mirrored individuals and not as a couple you need to go fill in the blank because we learned really early on that couples are in different places like when it comes to helping their marriages. And if we go into with the prescription of, hey, as a couple, you need to go pray together as a couple, you need, which are all great things, you know, do devotions together. That's great things. But if there are different spots, you're setting mm-hmm. them up to lose. So we're going, OK, what are individuals? What can we do? Yeah. So Megan, you said, I, I go first. Yeah. I, I'm going to take care of my heart because you guys brought, like we all do, right? You brought brokenness yeah. into this. And so three years in, yeah. she and you say, Casey, I lost my sparring partner. <laughs> I did. Right. And how did, what, what was going on with you? Um, it, it jarred me because mm. it set a different pattern for the way we would deal with how we communicated. Mm. We had a serious communication problem. And I thought that meant that's divorce. That's a div- grounds for divorce. We have a serious communication problem. No, actually, we just had a serious communication problem. That's it. So we needed to figure out how to communicate and unlock um, what is the rhythm and how do we communicate in a safe place. Yeah. And Megan, I'm proud of you because you actually led the way for us to be able to do that. I hear it all the time. We just can't communicate. So that means we're not compatible. No, that just means you can't communicate. You just need to learn. So I, I do believe that there is a heart that is willing and open to learn. And, and I, we, you know, we always say, when the student is ready, hmm. the teacher will appear. Hmm. So oftentimes people ask us, well, you know, where do you start with a couple that's, that's lost, that's lost their way? Hmm. And we can throw a lot of tools and tips at them. We can. We've got that all day long. Hmm. But you actually have to start at a place of hope. Because when you've lost hope, that's doesn't matter what you give them. You can give them the life raft, but they won't take a hold of it. So Megan and I have led with our story, even in, in all its embarrassing moments, in all of its shame-filled scripts, you know, of totally falling flat on our face in marriage, to lead the way for a place of hope for so many couples. Wow. Yeah. You said something when you started, we're not communicating well, that's reason for divorce. I'm curious, Casey, to be in a family where there was divorce so often, obviously your, your mom and your dad had to communicate to you guys, you know, how does, you know, we're divorcing because fill in the blank. I've always wondered that with kids of divorce, what did they hear the reason? Like when mom and dad sit you down, what it, what's the reasons that they say we're going to bust our family up? So, Both of us have the same answer. Well I, well, I mean, you know, I've had this conversation many times. Like I said, my mom's on her sixth marriage. So I've actually heard this conversation several times. 
And it is interesting because, you know, people ask, well, what was that like? Well, that was normal for me. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I would ask, what was it like to be raised in an intact home? I, I don't know anything or any context of what that looks like. So that was a very normalized thing for me. And I'm, again, shocked that that's not the path that we chose. But what I heard was that my family, my safe place was being blown apart. Hmm. That's what I felt in that hmm. moment. Well, I was going to say for both of us, there's been affairs, not in our marriage, but with, with parents. And so I don't know if that was excuses, like when the, our parents came to us and said, you know, oh, well, I found it in another person. Um, but there have been affairs, several. So it's like, again, it's soulmate mentality. That whole thing of like, it's just not the right person. Hmm. Yeah. So I think I've found the right person. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. All right. So you guys are we're three years in. Megan does. She's doing the work. You lose your sparring partner. <laughs> yep. How did you guys begin to find each other on the same on the same page? Because how old long have you guys been married when you started having kids? Our daughter was born when we were we've been married five years. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So this is pre kids. Pre kids. Yeah. Which did make it easier. Mm-hmm. I will say. I, I would. I. It's hard when you've got kids and you're dealing with this. I mean, we right. did. It was. It was pre kids that we went mm-hmm. through the worst of the worst. Sure. <laughs> Our story is not over, though. <laughs> no. In fact, but that's just the beginning. Yeah. No. Um, but I will say one of the things we started to do, uh, one of the mentors in my life at that time had shared with me, was to start dating each other again. We were so good at dating each other um, when we were dating and engaged, and then we just stopped. We worked. I was in school full time. Um, it just We kind of just left it. Um, on the back burner. And so we started dating. We started having fun. Mm. We always tell couples, you've got to have fun together, whatever that looks like. And we started really opening up with like heart to heart conversations, not how was your day? How was work? What's for dinner? Right. We call those Mm. transactional Mm. communication times. Heart to heart is, wow. You know, um, I know your boss is, has been kind of mean to you lately. I mean, how is that making Mm. you feel? You know, are you, are you like, dreading going to work tomorrow. I mean, you can still talk about work, but it's a deeper level. Hmm. Um, you know, Hey, let's make some hopes and dreams together. You know, what do we want to do next year? And we, our conversations changed Hmm. significantly. And this is the one thing I love about what you campaign on is couples need to have serious fun Hmm. because I believe that familiarity, that's a hard word to pull out. Familiarity. Familiarity. (laughs) It's a killer. For a lot of relationships, because there's many days that you wake up and you stare at your spouse and they're not that spouse that you fell in love with, have the hots for, find attractive. They're just that person that sleeps in your bed with you. <laughs> yeah. and, and it just becomes the day in, day out of transactional moments that are just passing <laughs> moments. And couples have lost the sense of adventure mm. and fun. And I, and I know that that's when you say that for a lot of couples, they go fun. Mm. Marriage isn't fun. Mm. Yeah. Cause we didn't hear that. Right. Especially Christians don't lead, lead out with, Oh, it's so much hard work. It's hard work. It's hard work. Yeah. It's a little work and it yeah. should be more fun. Well, think about yeah. all the jokes are ball mm-hmm. and chain. Right. You know, I'm trapped. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Doghouse. Yeah. What is that I, telling men? Uh, well, and it doesn't speak so highly of women. Like, I hate that. <laughs> I think it's most slamming of them than anybody. It, it, I was just going to say, what is, like, poor men don't want to get married if they hear that quote, right? Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> well, and it's the generational trend we're watching unfold in front of us. People are getting married later in life 
because they want their independence, they want their own way, and they're not willing to come together as a team, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, when when life was throwing its best punches, you know, Megan and I, uh, now, we call it out. We Our rally cry is team casting. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? We're better together than we are apart, and mm-hmm. we can put more than 200% towards a problem. Yeah. That's good. So fast-forwarding with part of our story is that... Um, when things started to heal, we, we wanted to get pregnant and have a kid, of course. And um, we struggled. Here we are. We're young, <laughs> having sex often, working on it. Um, but what's interesting is with infertility, um, you know, whether you try to get pregnant for six months or six years, when you want a baby and you, and you can't, mm. it's it's difficult. So I, I have a hard time when people say, oh, well, you know, like a minimum of two years is really infertility. I, I, I disagree with that. I think mm. when you really want a child... Um, God's not up in heaven going, you got to get over it. You've only been trying for a year and people have been trying, you know, so we had tried, um, we were almost about 18 months is, is how long we were trying. And it, it feels like 30 years when you're trying Mm -hmm. and every month, you know, you just kind of go, Oh man, here we go again. But what's interesting. And I don't know how we started this babe, but we started high fiving each other and we'd be like, okay, team casting, like Mm -hmm. we've got this and infertility should have ripped us apart, but it actually brought us closer together. Mm. It was this sad thing that we were like, we're going to figure this out. Like mm. if we can't get pregnant, yeah. we'll adopt and we'll just figure it out. And, and it, it was right as we were healing in our marriage. And so even that, that would normally just tear a couple apart sure. actually brought us closer together. And we were a pretty mm. fragile state at that time. Yeah, wow. I mean, we're still he- there's a lot of healing. I mean, years of healing. This is this is our right. healing years. <laughs> you know, the team casting slap. It's you know what John Gottman calls a repair attempt. Yeah. Right. We know that things could potentially get really hurtful right now, and a lot of pain, or even when we're uh, disagreeing with each other. These things like slapping hands for team casting means you know what we're on the same team. We're not going to let this thing spiral in a bad direction. We're not alone. She's not alone. He's he's not alone, and it just changes things. And one of the things we say on this podcast and always through married people is, you know, sometimes we made marriage too complicated. Mm. We've made it, and things like these moments of we're on the same team, just that, you know, we are on the same team. Just those few words can be so healing. I think it moves people from isolation to being connected. And so I think when people are listening going, wow, could, could saying to your husband who hates his, hates his job or your wife who hates her job, just goes, I know you hate this. I so appreciate you doing this for our family. And I want us to talk about and think through next steps for you, because I don't want this for you long term. Like just that kind of, you know, I'm going to take the rock off your chest just a little bit. So the opposite of that is the blame game, Hmm. because typically when there's problems in a marriage, whether it's infertility or financial, I just think it's innate in us. We want to point a finger instantly. Hmm. We don't want to take ownership. It's someone else's fault. It, and this happens with infertility. So if you're listening and you're like, man, I'm, we're struggling with infertility, you, you don't want to say, oh, there's something wrong with me. Mm. It's easier to say, oh, well, it was this or it's your fault. It's your sperm, right? <laughs> that's, that's the issue. Right. Truly. I mean, you, get, you have those conversations. Um, you know, oh, I'm not eating healthy. We want to put it on something mm. other than just going, it is what it is. Mm. But le- it's a mind shift change to say, 
let's just work together as a team. It's mm. nobody's fault. It is what it is. But let's just come together and be on the same team. And it's it's a, an incredible repair attempt if you can do that in the midst of any issue. Fill in the gap with, yeah, financial issues, mm. um, mother-in-law issues. I mean, just- Monster-in-law. Yeah, we call them mm. monster-in-law mm. issues. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, can, if you can make those repair attempts by, there's something about high-fiving because you're physically connecting. Mm. You're looking at each other in the eye. You're stopping your day. You're showing, hey, I care and I'm on your side. Exactly what you said. Love it. And Team casting. There we go. Team, I, I love it. Yes. Can I, can I add one other thing, too? Because you Please. talked about being simplifying the marriage code. Hmm. And I believe that God understands that we're very simple people. <laughs> and we need uncomplicated rules hmm. for marriage. But oftentimes, it's not that they're untrue but mm. it's rather that it's untried. Mm. Because if it's we good. truly just walk through, I mean, think about what it takes to make a relationship work, mm. to communicate, to forgive, to apologize. I mean, just apologizing and forgiveness is a cycle mm. that can create so much healing in a marriage. And yet, what do we do? We stop and go, I'm not apologizing. Mm. No way I'm forgiving him because then that means I'm condoning his actions or I'm, I'm letting him off the hook. So we say these things and it stops a very simple process that we've seen firsthand. We worked with a couple that uh, had gone through two affairs, several abortions and miscarriages and just a, it was a, a horrible situation they found themselves in. And they allowed the process of unforgiveness to settle in their marriage for over 10 years. Wow. Over the course of two days during one of our intensives, all we did was walk them through their story and allow them to share their story to each other. Mm. And the next morning, they apologized and forgive and, and went, walked through that process. Mm. That was it. It's marriage 2.0 for them now. And wow. it, yeah. they said that was, that was the turnaround point. And I'm, we're just sitting, scratching our heads mm. going, you know, it's really not that complicated. Mm. It isn't. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. Yeah. That's what's yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's, it's, there's no rocket science to us, but there has to be a willingness, intentionality. Mm. You've got to put some, some time and effort to it, and I think a lot of people just don't want to do that. Can, wow. So can I continue our story? Please. Okay, 2008 hits. We just gave birth to our brand-new baby daughter, so that was a great praise report. Um, we live in paycheck to paycheck, it, way, way, spending way over our means, and everything came to a screeching halt. And so as I was kind of talking about the heart issue, um, oftentimes God uses these painful moments in our lives to adjust and open up our heart to what he'd have to teach us. And it took us, us forcing us into a place of moving in with my mother-in-law, not great, selling our car and buying a 20-year-old car, not great for the ego, and basically, you know, try, I went on like 40 interviews and I couldn't get a job. Oh, wow. So God brought us to this like crucible where I remember having one of these very heated conversations with God. <laughs> right. Couple. He was, he was okay with the language I chose, but I realized we had to get to the very, very bottom hmm. and God began to purify and cleanse our hearts I mean, in a real tangible way, mm. we lost our friends, we lost everything. And it was kind of like burning down the entire forest. And out of that came this new life. Wow. 
Yeah. And in that season of life when we had to live with my mom for two years, longest two years. I'm oh, sorry, babe. I take, it, I take it your folks don't listen to your podcast, right? No. <laughs> yeah. They're not supporting your ministry. Okay, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. funny enough, I would say my mom and my dad, they're, I mean, they're not married anymore, but um, they're very supportive of what we do. That's good. But um, no, you know, I just, I, uh, we started to pray together. It's like the first time we ever authentically prayed. I mean, when you have nothing, you like cry out to God. And that's what we were doing together, holding hands going, we have nothing. I mean, mm. nothing. And it was very humbling having to move in with my mom and my baby and my husband. Mm. You know, here I am married and it was hard. But um, so we started to pray together. Um, we really just because life was so simple because we didn't have the distractions of mm. having any money. Mm. We got a lot of quality time together. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yes. I mean, every day. Oh, yeah. No, we had this one, um, you know, those plastic pools that you get from like Rite Aid or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Filled it with water. And I'm sitting Indian style in about three inches of water with my baby girl and going, this is this is the life now. This is the life. And it was great, though. It was, it was simple. And a lot of times what we see in marriages is that couples use busyness to avoid the issues in their relationship. Mm. And we learned in that season. I mean, we look back even now as those were sweet times. It was hard, but it was sweet Mm -hmm. because there wasn't a lot to distract us. And it forced us to face each other every single day and and deal with the things that we had going on in our relationship. Mm -hmm. It was uh, about that time we also went through a marriage intensive. um, It was a four-day marriage intensive. (gasps) My eyes. Oh, they say don't, they don't even put on the thing, don't wear mascara. They should say that because uh-huh. <laughs> the ladies yeah. in the intensive, I mean, our eyes were so puffy from crying, but. We cried for four days straight. It was Pretty great. much four days straight. Mm. It was great. But it was. <laughs> it was great. It really was. It was the hardest thing, but it was the most amazing yeah. thing. And this was in the through. middle of all of this. And yeah. so quick side question for you guys. How did you, you know, as you're going to 40 job interviews. Megan, how did you encourage him through that? Because one of the things that um, there's a great book called How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. It's, mm-hmm. it's a secular book, but it's got talks about a woman's core vulnerability is fear and man's yeah. it's, it's shame. And so you're probably, hey, oh, my gosh, we're living with my mom. Like, yeah. So how did you guys encourage each other during that time? Because obviously this rough time brought you together. Like, what are some of the tools if somebody's going through this together? We're They're smiling. both smiling. We're smiling because... I was really mean the first eight or nine months. It was bad. I was really mean. I shamed him. I blamed him. I pointed fingers. How dare you? You're just not trying hard enough. Um, it, it was bad. It wasn't good. This is why I'm saying there was years of healing because I was still learning how to just own my part. And yeah, mm. my nonverbal communication was not great. I'd roll eyes. I'd, I'd make gestures. Um, he knew I was very unhappy. And... Um, you know, I went back to work in that season part-time because we, whatever we could take, we, we took, right? Um, and I was resentful because I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm. And so that was really hard for me. And I don't know if there was a specific moment, but I really do believe that in that intensive, um, that marriage intensive, I had to really own my story and mm. own my part to say, man, I was just nasty to you in this time when you were lonely and you were hurt, you know? And I, I remember grabbing Casey, like not in like a forceful way, but like his arms and being, 
insane because he kept saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll find a job. I'll find a job. I'm fine. And I said, I know you're angry with God and I know you're angry in this situation. And I'd rather have you be this authentic, vulnerable, messy you than try to pretend like everything's okay because mm. it's not okay. We're not okay. And I could see past that. And so I don't mm. know if you have anything to say, babe, but. No, I tried, I, tr- I tried to minimize. I tried to avoid the pain. I tried to run from it, um, even dealing with issues with parents and things like that. Just always try to avoid dealing with it head on. And I go back to you cannot heal from the things you do not feel. And I want to say this. We teach so. our couples this, that he thought he was protecting me when he was minimizing and making it sound like mm-hmm. he's got it under control. But when he started being vulnerable and messy is when I actually felt like we were connected. Mm -hmm. And we tell couples the fake, the fraud, (laughs) the pretending that everything's okay is disconnection right Mm -hmm. there. It's going to completely disconnect you. Brene Brown right there for all of you. Brene Brown fans. Yeah. No, I Um, I was trying to put on the strong face, but it wasn't what was really, I wasn't letting Megan in. But now we know with science and, and research and even just in our own marriage and watching so many couples go through this, that the more authentic and real you are mm-hmm. and vulnerable with your partner, the more connected you will feel. Wow. And so we just started being raw together. Mm. There was no more pretending. It was, this is messy, Casey and Megan, high five team Gaston, and we've got this. And so that's, that was really, that season was healing. And, and there was a point when we moved out of my mom's house and it was like, wow, okay, we can do this. Mm. Yeah. And then we move out of my mom's house and a month later he gets laid off. It was great. I mean, it was just, it was three years of him just. Com- new- complete instability. It yeah. was very unstable. And so that forced us again into a place of who's our provider. Mm. Cause I certainly wasn't. And yet, and yet out of all of that, we paid off all our debt. $200,000 of debt. And we were able to get ourselves in a financially secure place mm. in the midst of instability. And God continued to reveal to us very clearly and directly to say, don't forget who takes care of you. Yeah. It's not you. And I, ca- and I, for a guy, you know, the, we put all our, all our chips in the basket of what we do, how much we make, our ability to provide. Mm. And God was teaching me the complete opposite that actually you don't provide. Mm. It's my my job to take care of that. Don't worry about it. And a lot mm. of our money fights ended when he got that concept <laughs> because <laughs> I no because for years I kept saying you, I'm not looking to you, babe. Cause through that season of being unemployed and living with my mom, I was looking for him to meet my needs. Mm-hmm. And God showed me in that season that Megan, Casey's not your provider. Mm. I'm your provider. And so I kept trying to tell him, don't worry about it. God's got it. And I'll never free. I have to share this because there was, we, we, we were doing our budget and we owed, it was like 1,000, I'll never forget the number. It was $1,235, like for the rest of our bills. And it was like, we, I mean, we were like selling things. Like we, it was like, how are we going to pay for this? Right. So like right after we moved out of my mom's house and we get this check in the mail and I think it was for $1,300 and it was from a pastor at our church. And he's like, this guy came up to me and felt like he needed to give a family in need this amount of money, this specific amount of money. And it was like almost to the dollar of what we needed. And (laughs) I looked and we, I remember Mm. crying and just going, see, that wasn't Casey. Mm. There was nothing that I did to make that happen. The Lord put it on this random stranger 
to give this. And then our pastor was diligent to think of us. I mean, mm. the whole thing is just like, God provides, it's not us. <laughs> so it's, so. it's looking around. Where is he? Where, exactly. where is he in the story? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, our story continues because in order to earn some extra side income, I started to officiate weddings. And uh, it was a fun, fun job just to be a part of someone's wedding and, and be kind of the guy that facilitates their story and tells their story. And out of that came this conversation that continued to come up. Mainly these couples weren't navigating church. So I was getting couples that were just, they were just, hey, we're in love. We want to get married. And I was asking these, you know, I would tell their story. Uh, I'd tell my story, excuse me. And I would tell them, oh, I came from all this dis- divorce and disconnection. And I always ask, so who's helping you? Who's kind of walking you through marriage? And we got everything from, we're just trying to wing it. Nobody. Um, I don't know. We'll just see how things go. And mainly just kind of like people just walking into marriage, having no clue mm. what they were doing. Or I love the one that's the best is, um, well, nothing's going to change once we get married. <laughs> that's our favorite. We, hear. Yeah. we live together and oh. nothing's going to change once we get married. It's just a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That right. Mm. So, so out of that, God was really stewing in my heart, this heart for the lost and the mm. heart for people that were wouldn't walk into our Christian bookstores and look and pick up a book on marriage from a Christian author. And I think a lot of that stems from uh, a recent book that I picked up that said in the author's bio that the only way to having a great marriage is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now think about that. I, I do understand where the author was coming from. But there are so many other marriages out there that are thriving that aren't walking with Jesus. And I believe that God does not give more of his love to just those who say they believe. Hmm. That he is deeply, deeply concerned with the Mormon, the Muslim, and the atheist marriage. He's deeply concerned with their marriages because of it's a societal impact I mean, if we, if we just said all Christian marriages survive and everybody else surrenders to horrible divorces, think about what kind of impact that would make in our culture. So with that kind of idea, I think it was just this, this thing that was in my heart feeling like, who's going to take care of these guys? And out of that just became this like burden and... It was something that was sitting out there kind of in the periphery, uh, you know, while I was working. And then uh, one night I, uh, I do these like nightly walkie talkies where I'm talking with God and I'm walking, walkie talkie. Um, and I had this, uh, this vision of us impacting marriages. And it was a very specific vision. And I get a call and then I co- go back home. I go to bed. He goes to bed after I do. I go to bed earlier than him. Yeah. I wake up, Megan calls me on the way to work, and she said, I had this dream. And in this dream, and then she starts to outline to the T exactly what I had envisioned the night before. And that kind of started for us 
this idea like, what is God doing here? Yeah, we had we had the same. I mean, mine was a dream and yours was the walkie talkie. By the way, our neighbors think he's crazy. He's <laughs> talking out loud, walking the streets of, of our city. Yeah, yeah I, I love it. I know. But um, and then we, you know, we we just people. It was it, it, there's too many stories to share with you. But there was people with the gift of prophecy that would come up that didn't know us and say, you guys are going to be the next generation that's going to speak to marriage. Mm. What? who are you? You didn't know this, you know? And so it's just story after story. And, um, in the meantime, we really were praying that God would have us reach only Christian marriages because that's what we knew and what we were comfortable with. And he had a different idea. He wanted Mm. us to go outside of the church. I mean, inside the church and outside of the church, both Mm. that there's room for both. And, um, that we really are going to be, and we are seeing that right now, the voice, um, for these younger generations about marriage Mm. and, not only teaching, but modeling, because so many of us from broken families just never saw a husband and a wife talk to each other in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people who speak on marriage, it's just the husband or it's just the wife. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's definitely a different dynamic. Yeah. Well, oh, I totally. say there's a different dynamic with us, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's something that people go, Oh, it's just interesting to see you guys, how you dealt with that conflict online or on mm. video. Well, so. there's been many times on video where we've been caught interrupting each other and oh, yeah. Megan, you know, lets me have it. And I'm like, <laughs> babe, we're in the middle of something. <laughs> or we did once get in a fight on a webcast live. It was great. But it then was we, so uh, good though. I bet people, that was their favorite video. It was, time. it was. <laughs> hashtag real life, right? Uh, it's exactly. real life. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And people go, it, well, and what, I think what you guys have described is not a, a straight line of progress but one that has gone up and down, just like you're saying, hey, we we changed things, we turned things around, and then he lost his job, and then I shamed him. So you're yeah. going, okay, so I'm going back to always a little bit. Uh, we're stopping. We're going to check on our heart. We're going to do this intensive. Now we're going back, and now we're you know, closer together than ever. And so it's like this thing is not – we get there. We've got it all figured out, but it's a, it's a journey with different things. Yeah. And you guys have had different – parts of your journey with your kids and different things and parenting and figuring all that out and doing a business together. That's yeah. not, whoa. Yeah. We work together. You know, mm. we didn't, we didn't mention this, um, though, though our marriage was at a healthier place at this time, but we did get pregnant for the second time. Um, we have a little boy. Um, I had extreme sickness when I was pregnant. So, um, I was very, very ill and on a lot of medication, and then I get postpartum. <laughs> to add all to this, you know, I get postpartum, and I'm a very happy person. But um, uh, when our son was 12 months old, I noticed something wasn't right with him. I used to be a school teacher, and um, I just, all my developmental psychology classes came, like, right to the front of my brain, and I just said, I got to get him checked. I got to get him checked. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. And everyone said, oh, he's a boy. They just, they just kind of develop slowly. I thought, no, my mommy gut. Ladies, you trust your mommy gut. Um, just said, no, something's not right. So sure enough, um, he was diagnosed with autism, um, not until 18 months, but they had, uh, diagnosed him developmentally delayed until they could really diagnose him with autism. And that's been a journey. And I think back, if that was our firstborn, I don't know if we would have made it, Mm -mm. um, the, the bills, oh, the bills, the medical bills, um, fighting the insurance companies, the therapies, I mean, feeding therapy, speech therapy, ABA therapy, I mean, you name it. It was like my, our lives were consumed and, um, you know, you, it just, it, it's so, and there's a 90% divorce rate 
if your child has special needs. Mm. 90%. So not only do we now live in a county with a 72% divorce rate, we come from Mm. broken families, right? And now we have a 90% chance and we worked together as a team. It was team casting all the way. And it's how we survived that season. And I'm glad to report that our son now is high functioning. He's mainstreamed in school. He's doing very well. He's still on a lot of therapies and, but we're working on it. And, um, there's a lot of hope there, but even in that part of our story, that would have looked differently if we wouldn't have been team casting and worked together as a Mm. team. And I will tell you, I, uh, probably could have, um, I was very depressed and, you know, taken back by going through a process of grieving my expectations for my son. Mm. Um, and there are so many good-natured people out there that I wanted to punch in the face <laughs> who'd come up and offer some sort of platitude like, <sighs> you'll get better, he'll get better, you'll oversee this, we're, we're praying for you. And they, they would literally, it's like they'd hand like a, a potato chip and then just kind of walk away. Like, I don't know what to do with this. The hardest one we heard was, um, you just need to pray that God would heal him. Like, uh, you're just not praying hard enough. And it was like, oh, what? Oh, oh yeah. It's Total lack me... of empathy. And I get, and we get their point of view. We get what they're trying to do. It's the way that they know how to help sure. or feel. And maybe, or maybe even the situation makes them feel uncomfortable mm. and they just kind of throw something out there. But, um. It really made us think, wow, I mean, what are Christians saying to the people outside of the church? We had the empathy because we got their mindset. Hmm. But if, if their neighbor neighbor that was not a believer was going through the same thing where their son just got diagnosed with autism hmm. and they just kind of said, oh, you know, we're just going to pray for you and we're just going to do this. It's not that those are bad, hmm. but what does that non-believer, what are, they, what are they thinking? What is the process? What are right. they going through? Hmm. And that really, to just bring it all back, is with Marriage 365. Um you know, we, we have a heart for all marriages that, that everybody can learn communication tools. Everybody can learn how to be a team. Like we have such practical things that we can do to help couples. Um, and it's incredible to see, yeah, couples forgive and heal and communicate and laugh and have fun again. Hmm. It can happen. It just has to be two willing people. Two willing. That's right. But it starts like your story started with one person going first. Yeah. One person going first. So for you guys, each episode, we want to leave our listeners with one thing. And we've talked a lot about some great things, but I think the thing I love about about you guys is you have obviously been through some tough things, um, but you guys are always, not always, when I see you at least, uh, <laughs> you bring a joy and a perspective and a reality and a story that's so inspiring to so many people. You know, people say, if we could do it, anybody could do it. You're kind of those people. (laughs) You really are those people. (laughs) You are the poster child for those people. So with all that being said, what what would be one thing, if there's a couple that's hurting or not hurting, what's one thing that's great for any couple, regardless of where they are in their relationship? So we get a chance to teach this at our retreats, and we've taught literally thousands of couples a very simple very, very simple practice. It's called the 60-second blessing. Hmm. And the 60-second blessing is where you spend literally 60 seconds affirming with words the qualities, the features, body parts, the accomplishments Hmm. that your spouse has made. And you just shower them with these words. It's best done in person, face-to-face, touching each other, each other's arms. Hmm. Um, 
But you can do it over the phone. You can do it via text, via written notes. Mm-hmm. And it truly is amazing to watch a crowd of people turn to each other and have one spouse shower that spouse for 60 seconds mm. with how much they love that person and then have the other spouse return that, there's always tears. We, we get often from the couples that have been married more than 20 years, every single time we do a retreat or a conference, they say, I knew my wife thought those things about me, mm. but it sure felt good to hear them. Mm. And I think oftentimes in marriage, we kind of go on this autopilot where we're doing life. We are next to each other. We're paying the bills. We're raising the kids. um, And maybe we're even having some fun. But to take time every day, I mean, we recommend doing this every day. So that's two minutes a day. I mean, Mm. who doesn't have two minutes a day? Right. And if you can't do it in person because you travel for work or maybe a military Mm. family, it's okay. Do it email, text, whatnot, Mm. Skype. (laughs) It radically changes because it's forcing you to have not only those heart-to-heart conversations, but to hear the things your spouse loves about you. Mm. Not only is that, (laughs) I mean, I would say confidence boosting, um, but it's also just how you really took the time out to pay attention to me. Oh, you Mm. do care about me. And we often sometimes can just feel really lonely in our marriage. Sure. And it's nothing we're doing intentionally. Mm. It's very unintentional. So Mm. this is a very intentional, simple practice that we found to be incredible. And we learned this at the intensive that we did. I love that. And even somebody walking in going today, what's going on? I'm going to do this for my spouse, not asking for it in return Mm is maybe to go in and just see what happens. Yeah. Just for the ones that go in, they may faint. Mm -hmm. They may go, what did you do with my spouse? But it's so, so powerful. You guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so if people want to know more about you and find out some more things, where do they go? Uh, Marriage365.org. We're all over social media. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, and the list goes on. But um, that's a main site. And then under uh, resources, they can learn a little bit more about some of the resources we provide, such as our webcasts. So we produce a, a monthly show that people can watch either live or kind of get back into the archives. Um, titles like... Oh, uh, how to make your marriage a priority. We do have one on monster in laws, one of our most popular ones. We've got his desire, her desire. We have a lot, a lot of ones that are on sex and intimacy because a lot of times people are embarrassed to go to their therapist or talk mm. to a friend like, Hey, we're struggling in that department. Right. So we feel like, Hey, you can watch in the privacy on in your own home and learn about sex and intimacy and how to have a great sex life. Yeah. So, so we've watched, we've created a, con- a tool that, you know, couples can watch on any device in the confidentiality of their own home. You don't get, have to get a babysitter. Y- yeah, exactly. Hello, Perfect. huge perk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. We're, and we're a lot of fun. <laughs> Come on, right, babe? Yeah. And then with each webcast comes like a, um, a PDF of tons of couples connecting questions. So yeah. we give them questions that a therapist would ask based off the topic. So, well, yeah. I love that. So these guys are going to hang out with you guys like we got to do today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. I know you guys are... Very, very busy people. Mm-hmm. So Thank we're, you for thank, having us and uh, inviting us. Yeah, wow. thanks, Ted. All right, yeah. love you guys. Talk to you soon. So that was my interview with Megan and Casey Caston. I love those guys. And you can check out more about Megan and Casey and what they're doing at marriage365.org. Uh, and I want to thank you for joining us for the Married People Podcast. We hope today's episode helped you realize that marriage is a little easier than you think. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Your review helps us to make the podcast better and get conversations in front of more people who really need to hear it. And finally, for more resources to make your marriage better, check out my book, Your Best Us on Amazon and visit our website, marriedpeople.org. Don't forget to join us for next week's episode. And until next time, I'm Ted Lowe and thank you for listening.